Hello, everybody, and welcome back to once again another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast. And this week, we have a jam-packed episode. A ton of Bears news has came out this week. So we're going to start off talking about some more of the little news, like Trey Roberson, a CFL star that was cut by the Chicago Bears, and getting into Artavis Pierce's status on the COVID-19 reserve list. After that, we're going to be talking about the Nick Foles rumor that he's considering opting out that the Chicago Bear Necessities over here might be slightly responsible for after that, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the statements made by Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace in their press conference and talking about how the Miami Marlins outbreak may affect the NFL season this year. Finally, to wrap up the show, we're going to be talking about Eddie Goldman opting out of the 2020 NFL season and how the Chicago Bears can utilize the cap space he leaves them to better the team. But guys, before we get into the show, we have a quick couple of announcements. As always, please go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've been growing an insane amount on there, doing a lot of exclusive content, and a lot of content will come out on there before it comes out here. It's also a great way to watch our and listen to our show in a more casual way, as the episodes are divided by topics, so each segment's probably only about 10 minutes long. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Chicago Bear Necessities so that you can get daily Bears updates and information about the podcast. This is also a great way to reach out to us and give us advice on the podcast, topics you'd like to hear, or just ask us any general questions. So with that, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show once again, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Reese, it seems like we've been growing a lot faster on YouTube than our podcast lately. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think it just has a little bit to do with uh, kind of the differences in platforms. I know that, you know, podcasting is uh, is big time. You know, it's getting more and more big by the day or bigger by the day. It's probably the grammatical way to say it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, interesting. Yeah, we uh, kind of blew up on YouTube for the first time uh, this past week. We had our first video that uh, went over, I think it's like 1.3 or 1.4K right now views. And we gained like 40 subscribers or something. And like we've really only been posting consistently for like two weeks now. So, I mean, that's definitely growth that we're excited about and we're looking forward to. But don't worry, guys. The podcast will always be our first love and pride and joy and everything like that. Um, but but YouTube's great and it's going to be great for us to leverage uh, a, better, a bigger audience and then also like be like hopefully be able to fund the podcast and improvements pretty soon because I feel like once we start getting a little bit of monetization money, we're going to be able to improve this podcast 10 some to where it's at today because it's really, it's really just a matter of, you know, we want to improve our audio quality. We want to eventually add a video aspect to the podcast, but right now we kind of, you know, are working on a limited budget. So uh, we'd appreciate if you guys would be able to put up with a couple ads on the, on the, or maybe like an ad on the podcast or something so that we can get you even higher quality. Yeah. Times is tight. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to that. So when it's something that's kind of like the podcast that, you know, we obviously take very seriously, but we have a lot of, a lot of other things going on, you know, kind of just have to work with what we got at this point. Yeah, and that's, you know, we got to keep doing that. And I guess the Bears are going to have to work with, with what they have because uh, Eddie Goldman, he uh, he opted out of his contract, uh, which leaves us kind of screwed at the position. We don't have much behind him, um, but we're going to get into that later in the episode. First, we're just going to kind of go over the weekly news. Um, so besides Eddie Goldman opting out because he has a medical condition uh, and he, obviously that being a huge blow for us. Uh, Trey Roberson, the CFL star that we talked a little bit about in the podcast previously, was actually cut for with a non-football injury. And we kind of talked about this player as a potential, uh, you know, a potential high high ceiling guy and just someone that maybe could develop for us but it seems like he ended up breaking his foot while training so for with the cornerback core that we have currently and how stacked it is it's not surprising to me that the bears just straight up let him go yeah i mean it's unfortunate for him you know i think that he probably had uh, a lot of promise and definitely something he could have bring to the, could bring to the team but like you said, you know, we went over in, pat, pot, in past podcasts with uh, just how stacked it is at that position. Um, you know, 
even on the perimeter, whether it's a nickelback position, there's so many options to go through. And, you know, unfortunately, it's just kind of how the way things go at this point in camp. When you get injured and you're someone that's not really a lock to stay on the team, then, you know, sometimes you just get the axe rather quickly. And, you know, it's unfortunate for him. And I'm sorry that, you know, that's, you know, had to end so abruptly. But, you know, for the Bears, you know, it's not going to have any huge impact. At least I don't think they should be more than well off at that position. Absolutely. And another piece of interesting news that came this week, Artavis Pierce is now on the COVID reserve list, which was a you know new list the NFL made for players who either contracted COVID or have been in close contact with someone who has had COVID-19. So we don't really know his exact status or if he had it or who had it in his family. The NFL teams and organizations are not actually allowed to comment on that. So we're left a little bit in the dark, but you know, Obviously, we've talked extensively about how important Artavis Pierce could be for this Bears team and how he's just not some random UDFA. He's someone that could actually provide a ton of value for us at the running back position. So it's a little bit you know, concerning to hear that he's on the COVID-19 reserve. And I just wish the best for him and hopefully we can get him back in the locker room really soon. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, I think he adds a, a certain dynamic to the running back position, you know, I think that you said pre like previously, you know, he's like that good middle ground between Montgomery and Cohen. And, you know, we've talked about Cohen extensively saying that he's really kind of a glorified slot receiver. That's really where he's at. His strongest point is working on the slot route running, being a good pass catcher. He does have value running the football, but not really not too much between the tackles, really mainly because of his size. So, you know, I think that, Pierce still provides a certain amount of quickness, a certain amount of versatility, and a certain amount of physicality. So he kind of he brings a little bit of everything to the table. And, yeah, it would be good if the Bears could get him back. And I know this whole COVID list that they made, it's right. They are not really allowed to specify. It doesn't mean that he necessarily had COVID, but someone in close proximity to him, you know, had it or there's a chance that he's been exposed to it, something along those lines. So, We'll have to see how long he's on the list. I'm not really exactly sure what the the full mandates are about that, but you know, hopefully he can uh, get back and you know be training and working out as soon as possible. And you know, Artavis Pierce's uh, showing up on the COVID reserve list. I think that it gives Eddie Goldman's choice to opt out a little bit more context because, hey, if he like apparently he has a medical condition, I don't that's what I've been hearing. I don't know if there's been any statements on that, Um, but if he is really likely to have severe effects to, you know, this virus, I absolutely understand his desire to opt out and not put his body at risk or even his life at risk or hell, even, you know, his family at risk. You, all these guys have families just like you and I, Reese, and it's been, it's going to be difficult for them, you know, going out, playing without a mask, be, or being around people consistently who could put you in harm's way. And so I really have no hard feelings for Eddie Goldman, but I was shocked to see how many people were just voicing so much like, 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 pounding on him being like you're you don't you know you're not tough you're not you know just like going in on him for choosing to not play this season I don't think that's fair at all and I think it's this consistent you know it's a consistent theme that fans feel entitled to control athletes lives kind of yeah and really like like just like it's it's kind of sad that kind of dehumanize athletes you know I think there's there's been this growing resentment about like athletes and how much they make recently. I, I've kind of like you can definitely feel that that they people feel like they're entitled in a sense, and I I understand like their point of view and like obviously you know these athletes are making money that most of us will never see, will never even get the chance to make. So I understand that they live at a different you know amount of income. They see life totally differently in this way. But at the same time, right, they still have families, you know, and they're making decisions about themselves and their own health. And, you know, they're their own investment. If they get, mm-hmm. you know, sick and, you know, it's been talked about with COVID-19, you can do a lot of actually permanent damage once you contract it to certain organs and all that. So let's say, you know, Eddie Goldman gets it. He's already, you know, has some kind of condition where it puts him more at risk to have more serious effects. 
and then he gets it, and now he's not ever not, not ever able to step on a football field again. So now he made a decision that not only impacted um, his health, but then it would be you know his family because he wouldn't be bringing in as much income. Mm-hmm. He ruined his career. So I think you know you just have to put things in perspective and think about it. You know why they're taking that step back. Obviously, I don't blame Eddie Goldman one bit for stepping back. I think if he's in the position where he can take a year off and not participate in playing this season, more power to him. You, you know, he shouldn't be forced to go out there and, and play. And you have to realize that Eddie Goldman doesn't want to be opting out just as much as we don't want Eddie Goldman to be opting out. He's opting out out of a necessity in his life and, you know, putting himself first. He's going to lose probably around $11 million for someone who just recently got paid. So, you know, he he is not at the point in his NFL career where he's made, I mean, obviously he's well off, of course, like every other NFL player is well off, but he's not like you know, like a Nadamakan Sue where he's gotten just huge, massive deals. And I'm sure that he is, wants to make a lot more money throughout his NFL career. And I think what's a little bit difficult from the fan side of things is that they only see the product on the field. And I think this is kind of true across a lot of, you know, American society right now is that you only, a lot of the time as like an external perspective, you only see the product like for instance with this podcast you only see the product come out getting uploaded every single monday and every single thursday right but you don't see all of the work that goes behind the scenes and you know (laughs) putting together a podcast twice a week is obviously a lot less difficult than becoming a pro athlete and there is some luck involved and there is you know some natural traits you need to be born with but it's a ton of work even like the the most like horrible guy in the NFL put has put tons and tons of work into his craft behind the scenes not getting paid for you know 18 years of their lives so it it there is a sense of resentment, but I don't. I think that people don't really understand how much work goes into it. Of course, they're well off, and you can argue all you want that, hey, you know, athletes aren't so shouldn't be getting paid like this. But at the end of the day, it's supply and demand. You know, yeah, like exactly. it's 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 just like you can complain all you want about you know people on TV making a lot of money, rappers making a lot of money, but at the end of the day, they put together a product that people want to see. Yeah, and it kind of it boils down to like if you don't like it, then you can just like not watch it, and it, it's very blunt. Mm-hmm. But like at, at some point, you know, people always just like to complain about that about the what's going on in sports these days, and I'm not really gonna get that much into it. But it's just like if you don't really like it, then just don't watch it, you know. And you brought up a good yeah, exactly. point. These these athletes have been grinding, you know. At the very least, at the very least, the lucky ones that just had a natural ability and were able to just start in high school, you know, grinding for those four years to get the chance to play in college so that they could prove themselves that they're willing to play at the next level. It's it's always a constant tryout. And, you know, even the best athletes in the most secure positions are still having to push, push themselves tremendously. And those are the lucky few. Like most of these players are constantly battling for their roster spot, for their position on the depth chart. So, you know, there's a lot more, you know, in it behind the scenes than like you were exactly saying. I mean, it's not just as simple as, okay, they made it now and they're just getting money thrown at them. I mean, they are having to work and, you know, they don't work a traditional job that, you know, a lot of us are kind of slotted into working. And, you know, there's a lot of issues along that front. But, yeah, I mean, they're uh, right. It's, it's just a matter of thing of, you know, there's a lot of money in the NFL and, you know, players are granted a certain amount of that, but they're allowed to make their own decisions because they are humans with, you know, with families just like all of us. And uh, one last final point before we move on to the bulk of the show. Um, it's also like a lot of the time when you see these, you know, really rich people or like, you know, for instance, athletes like in this conversation, a lot of the time, the reason why they're rewarded so highly is because they risked so much to get to that position. Like if you're an athlete, you risk so many different things. A, like the fact that it's going to take thousands and thousands of hours that you could be working, making money for your family or putting yourself in a better financial position, but you have to instead use that time to perfect your craft. So in the future, you can make more money. It's an investment in that regard. The other thing is like a lot of the time you have to forgo other opportunities 
in in order to reach the level that you had to. So like, for instance, there's been, it's kind of difficult because, you know, football players will get scholarships to good schools, but they don't want to go there because they don't have a great football program. And doing that in and of itself is is a, is a risk, you know, not, you know, not dedicating your full time to your education, because obviously it takes a really long time to, I mean, as someone who's been in college for, you know, four years now at this point, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of time to do uh, a full class load of time. And there are certain football players that don't give, don't really care as much about school or whatever that may be. But at the end of the day, it just, it's a lot of risk. You have to put yourself and put a lot of things that normal kids would be prioritizing aside. And then in the end, it pays off. You know, it, it could pay off. There's a chance it could. There's a ton of different players who it just doesn't pay off for them as well. Yeah. And you can put in all that work. And, you know, I remember like this reminds me of like Jake Butt, who was a really good tight end at Michigan. Literally got hurt in the, his final game that he played there. And he's projected to be a first round draft pick tight end because he performed very well got hurt in the final bowl game and i think slid down to like the fourth and fifth round and really hasn't had like a exceptional nfl career so it can all be going good for you at some point you can be you know on top of the world and then everything come crashing down with one injury I mean, look at so, like derrick rose was, uh, in the nba or like even ryan chazier in the nfl who had that brutal injury like you just know exactly. what's gonna it, football on top of that is a very dangerous sport as well. There's been plenty of people paralyzed when they've played it. You know, like it's it's re- it's an unfortunate reality. You look at um, Zach Miller, how his brutal leg injury happened. He almost lost his leg. Like it's unfo- it's an unfortunate reality. But again, let's not banter on too much about this. But uh, I all I ask is that for Bears fans, please try to be understanding. Please put yourself in their position. If you believe that COVID-19 is a big issue or not, clearly Eddie Goldman believes that it is. And, you know, if you if even if you don't believe COVID-19 is, you know, a real thing, like some people seem to be believing nowadays, if you don't like just imagine that there was a really deadly disease, that's what Eddie Goldman is thinking right now. You know, like you don't you don't want to be affected by this really deadly disease. Everyone wear your masks, please. I want to see right. a football season. But let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. Nick, there were some rumors swirling around about Nick Foles and Reese. I kind of feel like we might have been part of the stem of it because uh, there's there's it's kind of weird. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to give us too much credit, but we were on this about a week ago or a couple weeks ago. We were talking about this. Is that Nick Foles might be considering yeah. opting out. That's the rumor, okay? And it kind of began to spur sporadically on Twitter after Eddie Goldman opted out. And, um, you know, we talked about potentially Nick Foles opting out a couple weeks ago because, hey, he has a family. He just had a baby. He's known to be a really good, you know, family guy. And it would make sense that he would want to put his family first, you know? Um, This sense... This rumor came right. out. It's been shot down by guys like Mike Garofolo, like some some real high quality reporters that you know have their own in, ins in the industry and everything like that. Um, but I still wouldn't be sh- surprised. Like I don't, I don't, I believe that Nick Foles hasn't you know made a decision yet, and he has no plans of opting out currently. But I mean, if things get worse, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? And it's with everything that's going on, you know, having a new kid. Um, I think his isn't his wife like possibly at risk or something. At least that's part of the rumors I heard that his wife is maybe more yeah. at risk or something to that. So there's a lot you know at stake for him, and like you said, being a big family guy. So you know it's definitely not out of possibility. I mean, what you know Nick Foles has accumulated a lot over his NFL career. What does he really have to lose other than just you know his year of contract money, which is obviously very sizable. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure his family means a lot more to him than simply like one year of, of pay, you know, of his NFL contract. So I would mm-hmm. not I would not be blown out of the water if that ends up being the case. I mean, especially too, you know, if you put together, you know, the current quarterback situation, not saying that Nick Foles definitely isn't going to be the starter, but, you know, that it's been trending more towards Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe he's like, well, if there's a chance I'm just going to be sitting on the bench being the backup quarterback. Why? Why bother? Yeah. Risk it, you know, and be around all the other guys that could, 
get me sick and could have very negative health impacts on my family. You know, I, what's the point? Another person that I kind of worry about is Chuck Pagano. Uh, he notably is a cancer survivor and cancer survivors actually, you know, are of higher risk when it comes to this disease because of different, you know, compromised immune systems. Maybe they take medicine or wh- whatever that may be. So I do worry about Chuck Pagano and truthfully, like we need Chuck Pagano, but I, I, if he needs to like somehow like stay in the booth and like stay away from people or something when he's play calling, I would be, you know, happy for that because I want Chuck Pagano to be healthy. He's also older. You just think there's a lot of NFL coaches, GMs that are older in the most dangerous population that this disease affects. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of difficult to really, uh, to, re- to really get past that, you know? Like, that—that that is an, a harsh reality in the NFL. Yeah, with Chuck Pagano, I'm sure that, you know, if he ended up needing to be moved up to the booth or even kind of needed a space to himself, I'm sure they could accommodate that in some way, somehow, um, mm-hmm. especially with this current situation. It just brought up in my head. I remember, like, last college football season, I swear there was some college football coach that was literally up in the booth in, like, a hospital bed. It was really? like, I swear, bro. So that just it made me think of like that being the case with Chuck Pagano. Oh my like gosh. a pretty, pretty weird thought. But uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I would have to think, especially to like, you know, being that I watch soccer too. Like I've noticed that in like Premier League, what they play in England, like they spaced out like their substitutes, like all throughout like the stands, you mm-hmm. know, to give them like the proper like six foot like apart you know give everyone plenty plenty of room so if you think about it you know i almost at this point i feel like there's absolutely no chance there's gonna be fans in the stadium yeah so unless you're in you florida might as well yeah yeah there you go but um or texas who you know university of texas uh claim that they're gonna have 50 percent capacity at yeah, their football right. games but uh seems like yeah, a smart I, choice i think that <laughs> you know, outside of all the big ad banners they can put, they have plenty of, you know, seats to work with. So you might as well space everyone out and make it as safe as you possibly can. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, if that means sticking coordinators up in booths or giving them their own, like, suite to operate out of, I mean, just make it happen, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not. Why not? You know, yeah. we're going to have plenty of space if we end up playing in the regular stadiums, which seems to be the plan. Um, but I guess we're just going to have to see how that develops. Um, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me if some more of our starters opt out. I think that that's going to be a reality for a lot of teams in the NFL. I think that the New England Patriots already had seven people opt out. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's just going to happen. We're going to have to play. It's going to be a harsh reality. There's plenty of players who have, you know, different types of conditions or whatever that puts them put them at higher risk or maybe they're you know like Nick Foles welcoming a new baby to the family or their wife has a condition where you know you can't blame them and it's we talk consistently about how this is going to be a really weird NFL season and whoever wins the Super Bowl is uh, going to be a really weird team so you know uh, yeah. we'll we'll just have to uh, kind of go from there with whatever news we get with that and actually one little uh one little thing I want to throw in, we actually don't have this on our rundown, but it came out in a report yesterday that Aaron Rodgers, speaking to the media, he said that, you know, when Jordan Love was drafted, he had a couple drinks that night and uh, needed to calm down a little bit, but but he holds no, you know, bad attitudes towards the kid. And I, I believe that I, I, I'm not one of those people that thinks Aaron Rodgers is this, like, horrible guy that, like, you know, <laughs> hates everybody, which, you know, for some reason has kind of, be, like, really became his mantra for some reason. Yeah. And he, it's kind of like Jay Cutler. He's kind of, like, a, in a similar way. Um, but also, he said that the Packers want to play him, and he understands that. Like, the Packers want to play Jordan Love, right? How, with... With uh, the Packers being in a real cap crunch next year, like they're currently about $7 million under the cap for next season, and they have to give contracts to Aaron Jones and Kenny Clark, which Aaron Jones' contract is projected to be about 12 to $13 million. Kenny Clark is projected to be about $18 million. Is there any opportunity that this is Aaron Rodgers last year? I, I think there is, and that's why the rumor mill is kind of already swirling. I think I saw the headline pop up yesterday. 
about the Bears, you know, about, you know, whether or not he would come here. And I think I think he would love to come here. I don't know if we could make that happen, though. I think what I saw is that he was like, and I don't know if this is 100% sure or not. I'm just pulling this straight from my memory. Is that it would be like, you know, tough to like, tough to like say whether or not he would do that or not, you know, or something like mm-hmm. around those around those lines. And I'm sure like, you know, this is a man that's played at Green Bay his entire career. I think moving to any team, you know, even, you know, especially a division rival that he's played against his whole career would be tough. So I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a huge decision for him, but I, I think this could very well be his last year. I mean, if he's getting those kind of vibes, then I already, then I don't think much is going to change, you know, because if that's what the coaching staff's intent is to do, and if Aaron Rodgers is already feeling that, they're not going to really continue to comfort Aaron Rodgers and be like, no, 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 we sure you. Like, we want you to stick around. Like, if the coaching staff wants to play love and Rodgers realizes that, then that's fine. It just makes it easier for him because then he can just, you know, it's not going to be that messy of a split. It's going to be mutual. Yeah, and I don't believe that the Packers will actually, you know, trade Aaron Rodgers. I the, There's certain players in the NFL where they're kind of untradeable and like as respect, like to be a respectful organization, I think that there'll just be a mutual split. I don't know how much money he has left on his deal next year or if there's any guaranteed money, but I'm sure that Rodgers would restructure in order to just get out and find a new home. I think that Rodgers would love to play in Chicago. I think that would be a dream come true for him. He He's getting pushed out by, it seems like every single year they bring in a new person that kind of wants to push him out even further. So Brian Gutekunst and uh, obviously Matt LaFleur. And they, they, they go out and they draft, a, they draft a quarterback. I mean, he even if he doesn't say it to the media, I feel like every quarterback, just how, you know, to be the type of competitor that Aaron Rodgers is, He's going to hold that a little bit against his organization. He's going to take that a little bit personally. And that's why I think Rodgers, I think playing for the Bears for him would be essentially like a dream come true because he would have an insane defense to be playing with, an absolutely insane defense, nothing like he's ever played with before. He'd have, you know, at that point, we'd probably have, we'd have a first round pick that we could, you know, put into a wide receiver form. He'd have Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, David Montgomery. He has some good tight ends for once. The offensive line is okay. Um, we, and, and then, you know, a, a good amount of picks in the, in the next year that we could dedicate completely to the offense. And then, Hey, you know, a, a head coach that run that one coach of the year, a year ago and a GM that one, you know, executive of the year, just one year prior. So, like, I think from a Rodgers perspective, and on top of that, it's in the same division as the team that just screwed you over. I think from Rodgers' perspective, that's, you know, a home run. That'd be a home run for him. My concern is I don't think the Bears could manage that. Like, I was looking at our cap numbers earlier before we started the podcast. It seems like we are going into the offseason with about a negative $11 million in cap. If it, you know, this is if things go into full effect, which I'm assuming they will, because I think that the NFL is going to have a large loss in revenue. So if it goes into full effect, which means the salary cap is like 24 million less than this year, the Bears can create probably, they can cut that, they can get out of the $11 million pretty much alone on the Jimmy Graham contract, cutting him. And then, you know, guys like Bobby Massey and, you know, lower level guys. We that we could get rid of and and probably find replacement starters pretty quickly. Um, we can easily get out of the hole and we could pr- easily give Allen Robin Allen Robinson a contract. But it's going to take some real cap manipulations in order to get you know Rogers on our books. I don't. I'm sure he'll still just as much care about getting paid. And if he hits free agency, it is going to be a massive contract given to him. A massive contract. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting tooling that could be done if the Bears absolutely wanted to go get him. They could make it happen. You know, without a doubt in my mind. But at the same time, it's like how how far do you want to go? You know, especially yeah. for for someone of his age. But then at the same time, you think, well, he's still playing amazing for that age so it's a real uh it'd be a real predicament for them to be in but it's almost uh, a good 
you know, predicament. Like, if you decide not to go after him, then, you know, you end up being able to retain, you know, most of these players, but still probably have to cut a few people just because of the drop in the mm-hmm. salary cap. Or, you know, if you decide to cut a bunch of players, well, you end up with Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, that's that's good too. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this whole situation plays out. I think, you know, this upcoming offseason for the NFL, with everything that's going on and with the expected cap drop, it's just going to be insane. So I'm expecting, I'm ready for so many storylines with probably the Rodgers one leading everything if that ends up coming to fruition. And Pat McAfee was talking about how much he would love to see Rodgers in a Bears uniform. He said the uniform would look sexy on him. He's going to be, you know, the badass Chicago needs. He's a perfect man for the city. You know, blue collar, tough, play in the snow. Everything we need right in one package. If Pat McAfee is giving it the the green light, then I'm all for it. You know, I think (laughs) that, uh, you know, it would be interesting. It would be very interesting to see him in a Bears uniform. I think it would be, it would seem very odd at first but then i'm sure it would very it would get you know it was kind of like seeing peyton like manny in any other uniform that wasn't a cults you know uniform It'd be weird. but then you know he brady he kinda, brady in a bucks uniform what the hell yeah what type probably, of alternative universe do we live in where not only we have to wear a mask every time we go outside but brady is in a bucks uniform right and that's kind of just a testament that anything can happen right i mean Anything can happen, and I don't think that many people ever thought that Tom Brady would leave the New England Patriots. And I, it's a hell of a lot less far-fetched to think that, you know, Rodgers is A, going to leave the Packers, that that's almost a given, and then B, join the Bears. I don't think that's it's not nearly as crazy as Tom Brady leaving, in my mind, at least. No, and the funny thing is that the, the Packers actually have an option to replace Rodgers with. New England didn't even have an option for Brady. They just let, let him walk. They just let him walk completely. And the Packers have an option to replace him. And they seem to want to play him pretty well, and they seem to be really into him. So I guess we're just going to have to see where that goes. But let's go ahead and move on to more quarterback talk for the Bears. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace met with the media Wednesday morning. And Matt Nagy stated that whoever the starter is, he's going to have a tight leash, and poor play will be punished. So... <laughs> That's, that's, I mean, it's kind of saying a lot with saying nothing, probably something that we already kind of knew, but just being reaffirmed in our minds. I think, I think at this point it's Mitch and I think that's who he's talking about is just if Mitch is going to start, if he sucks, we're going to put Foles in. I mean, that's probably basically what he's saying and whatever weird code to me, that just sounds so like immature though. Like I hate that. I hate the way he said that. They're going to be on a tight leash, like, and if they, like, mess up, they'll be punished. In a way, I, I really don't like that because I feel like who is playing quarterback should feel very comfortable. Now, I understand yeah. that, like, you know, Mitch is probably going to be looking over his shoulder if he is playing, you know, poorly. But at some point, like, let's say Mitch goes out there, he plays, like, three, like, decent, decently good games, and then let's say he has, like, a bad game where he probably, like, blows it. <laughs> You know, are you going to punish him for that even if he was playing, like, decent, like, beforehand? Like, how yeah. how short of a leash are we really, like, giving it? Because at some point, like, it's just going to be ridiculous if, you know, Mitch is playing fairly decent but then has, like, one bad game. I mean, like, quarterbacks just have bad games. Sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. go on. And I'm not a huge Mitch defender, but even in this situation, kind of be like, I don't know. You should be a little more supportive of your quarterback. It's... It's like Nagy should be kind of looking at himself and be like, okay, what can I do for Mitch to succeed the most possible? Instead of, I feel like he's looking at the complete opposite direction being like, you know, okay, if you suck, then you're going to get sat on the bench. You know, it's not really quite the right perspective. I feel like he's just doing this in order to kind of switch up what he was doing these past two years, which was, you know, defending Trubisky every single play, defending him every single game. And just really telling everybody that Trubisky is our guy. Trubisky is our guy. We support Trubisky, which hasn't really been working. So I think he's trying to kind of light a fire under his ass. I don't know if it's going to work out. I mean, that's what we're going to have to try to find out if it's actually going to work or not. But at the end of the day, it's it's not a it's not the best thing you want to hear. But I'm I'm intrigued that Nagy is switching up his you know what his, his methodologies, his his rhetoric. You know, I, I think that uh, 
with Nagy, it's always been two-faced, though, you know? He says to the media, he'll be like, oh, you know, yeah, Mitch is our guy 100%. And then it'll come out and be like, yeah, Nagy never wanted to even work with Trubisky as his quarterback. And yeah. I'm like, well, like, I understand that, and I get that, but it's just like we – I feel like with Nagy, sometimes we hear – and I think Nagy's a great coach, and I think he has some flaws and a decent amount of arrogance. Sometimes it gets him a little bit in trouble and not amazing with the media. I think that, you know, he tries to just gloss over things sometimes and kind of, he's kind of giving you a little bit of lip service, kind of making you kind of hear what you want to hear. So True. We'll, see, we'll see what actually happens. I'm sure, though, right? I'm sure that Mitch is going to be watched over like a hawk. You know, the second that he really starts tripping up, you know, he'll probably get pulled. You know, so I, I think there's probably a decent amount of truth in that actual statement that he made. So I, you know, we'll we'll see how it exactly plays out. It's gonna be very interesting. Of course, it's gonna be a, probably the big storyline of the whole season. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so moving on, the Marlins, the MLB team, has really suffered from an outbreak due to COVID nineteen. The entire Marlins baseball team is currently in quarantine. Because 14 players tested positive. And this is pretty concerning for pro sports in general. And, you know, hell, I don't even watch the MLB. But my eyes have been on the MLB, NBA, and NHL. Because really all the NFL's decisions on their processes and procedures are going to be, in a way, based on what they've seen from these three leagues, you know. So, and I'm going to be honest, I think that the... uh, the NBA is doing it the best because they're literally keeping this locked down. There's just no way. If you leave the bubble, you there's so many different procedures to coming back in. And it I think that they're gonna do great with it. Yeah. The MLB though has not so far. Yeah, I think that uh it's very it's much it's a testament to the bubble cities. I, I feel like for this for this situation, it seems like far and away the lot better more contained a lot more safer a lot more procedural way of going about it and i know that the nhl who is starting back up you know very soon and the nba who's you know they've been they're getting into real games been doing their exhibition games been in the bubble for a little bit of time now you know seems to be going a lot more you know swimmingly I, i think the only big news has been lou will that you know went outside the bubble <laughs> he breached Jack the Harlow. bubble yeah you know what's popping you know but uh it's just uh it's he just went to that strip club to get the wings that's all he wanted <laughs> was the wings yeah and you know you know i said at least he was wearing a mask you know uh, you know he's being at least somewhat responsible he wasn't being as completely you know un- irresponsible as possible so i'll give him credit there um and i know he has to miss the first two games now which yeah i think that it's kind of like those procedures need to be in place. And then the MLB is kind of going about it in a lot more of a free form way, you know, just trying to like the NFL is planning on doing it currently. Right. And just kind of moving games around and it it almost seemed more bound to happen. Of course, if you're going to run it looser, you know, it's just, there gives you all that more, like all those different areas where it can sneak in. And, you know, once it gets to a team, you know, it's going to spread all around, throughout that team and it's probably gonna whatever team they're planning on playing it'll probably affect them too so it's only a matter of time before it spreads around like wildfire but you know if you contain it in the bubble cities it's just it's pretty it's a lot more low risk yeah absolutely and we have called for bubble cities on the podcast we talked a little bit about the idea of maybe playing in europe this year um but like ultimately, why don't I mean why don't you just go to Wyoming or some state? I just looked up Wyoming has two thousand cases total, and they had three hundred cases across the entire state over the past seven days. So like, just bring bring everybody to Wyoming, okay? Make some pop up facilities or in a hotel. Go play on high school football fields. You don't need to play in a big stadium. There's not going to be visitors. Just have it filmed. I mean essentially do what the NBA is doing. The NBA is is doing a fantastic job. It's going to suck because, you know, players are going to be probably away from their families for like a couple of, a couple of weeks, or uh, sorry, a couple of months, uh, half the year maybe, which is going to suck, right? But I mean, it's kind of worth it. I feel like it's not like, 
it, it, it's better than the alternative, which is a lot of players potentially getting sick. And maybe you allow it so that some players can bring some family members to stay in the hotel rooms or whatever, but just make it do something. Don't just anticipate that everything's going to be fine and that you're going to be able to somehow stop it before it occurs because you're testing a lot because that's just shown to not be a realistic situation. You know, um, what I do have to say though, is that the NFL does have one advantage on their side. And that's that like really only like 40 players of the team will be having any contact with any other people. And a lot of the time, the contact is somewhat limited because defensive players only play with offensive players. And like, if you're on the defensive line, you're only around, you know, a couple, you know, a couple people potentially. So it, it has a little, it's a little bit better than I feel like some other uh, some other teams were like um and also when you look at like equipment they're wearing a lot of equipment so maybe that can somehow block transmission um and also we only play 16 games which is much different than the MLB and NBA and NHL where they play you know so so many games yeah. right so in a way we will have less contact than a lot of other leagues just by the way we're built but i don't think that is a good standard to go by i think that in reality, we're going to need to have some sort of bubble city or at least some sort of way to control contact. I think that, you know, if you if the NFL decides to go down the path where they want to do bubble cities, then it basically is just going to have to become accepted that if it gets to, like, one team and, you know, they all get infected, then that team is just going to have to, like, forfeit their season. Because it gets to a certain point where, yeah. you know... Let's say, you know, if they have to miss two weeks, maybe the NFL can do some shuffling around in games. But once it gets further than that, there's only so much you can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it affects, you know, not just that team, but all the teams that are scheduled. You have to keep trying to move it around so then it will fit. So, you know, you run the risk of basically telling certain teams they can't compete if it gets bad enough. And if they are willing to take on that risk, then sure, fine, you know, but... I don't really think that the NFL, you know, optimally wants to be kicking anyone out. I think they want to have all 32 teams playing and competing for a chance, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. Very well said there. It's, uh, it, we're going to have to be a little bit more creative than I feel like we're being currently. I don't know. I mean, I just, I know that there's going to be some games that are going to get canceled just due to someone having COVID and not really knowing how to do it. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty difficult. I hope that everything works out and we have a season as normal, but it just seems like it's gonna be increasingly unlikely now. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's gonna be it's unfortunate that it's come to this. You know, I hope that the NFL is you know has more in place than we're kind of being let on to. You know, I, I think that it's not too late to go for bubble cities, but the, the clock is ticking. <clears throat> At some point, a decision is gonna be made and. If they don't go the bubble city route, then it's just going to have to be, you know, the more traditional route and they have to be as safe as possible going about it. And you made a good point, you know, the MLB is playing every single day, you know, the NFL plays once a week. So, you know, that's promising, but at the same time, it's not going to be a, it's not going to save them from, you know, any risk. It's, it just mm-hmm. keeps them a little bit less at risk, but it's going to, with how pervasive this, you know, um, illness has been, it's, it's going to find its way into the league. Absolutely. So let's move on. I'm, I mean, I feel like we're always talking about COVID on this podcast, but it's just the reality we have to live in right now as a sports fan um, and, you know, as a human being, really. But let's go, let's go ahead and move on. Eddie Goldman, we already talked about him opting out, but we haven't talked about the potential solutions that the Bears could have to replace him. And if you guys don't know, we actually uploaded a video on YouTube about this yesterday. Um, so again, there's exclusive content on our YouTube channel. We urge you to subscribe, but, um, Eddie, as far as Eddie Goldman goes, we do have some, you know, guys on the roster, maybe John Jenkins, who we added this off season and played with us previously. He can play that position, but also we have Bilal Nichols who, you know, played three, four defensive tackle in college. But I think Pace still likes him more as a defensive end for us. And I don't think he's going to end up being the solution. I do believe we are going to sign somebody. So, Reese, do you have any names of, you know, potential replacements that you'd like to see the Bears go out and make a move for? Man, like off the, uh, man, I, I think it's it's kind of tough, especially like this late. And like, 
you know, in free agency and in training mm-hmm. camp. You know, I think that I don't know. I, you can probably lead off and start off with if you had someone completely on your mind. I don't. No one like shoots out to me right away, which is kind of the unfortunate part. The hard thing is that the three four defensive tackle is such a unique position. And it's only used by what, like half half the league at this point. So like, there's yeah. like, it, it, it's a it's a very special position. And like for the use for those of you who don't know, the three four defensive tackle is much different than the four three defensive tackle. So there's plenty of four three defensive tackles, which translate in our system to three four defensive ends because they're interior pass rushers. But as far as a three four defensive tackle goes, essentially their job is to bull rush and to protect against the run. They, they are, they're trying to create space and penetration through the offensive line to help out the defensive ends on their side. So they it's an extremely important position because it really impacts the players around them uh, very, you know, very high. So as far as, you know, players that could fit this position, really, there's only one right now that's like a for sure, like he could handle it in my mind. And that's Damon Harrison. So right. Snacks Harrison that was on the Lions last year, yeah. he ended up leaving the Lions. I think he just didn't want to be on the Lions anymore, if I'm being completely honest. He seems like he really hated Matt Patricia. So, I I mean, he played on a $4 million contract last year. Go out and throw him, you know, $4 million. I'd be happy with that. We were saving $7 million in cap space this year from Eddie Goldman's opt-out. And we're also saving $4 million next year from his opt-out as well. So... We have plenty of cap space. Go ahead and just throw him a contract to play for this season. He's a talented run stopper, which is a huge, you know, aspect of that position. And it seems like you'd get it would be a good bang for your buck situation. And then another one other guy that I mentioned uh, when I was doing the YouTube video that we uploaded uh, is Jaron Reed. Now he is a four three defensive tackle, but he is massive, and I think his skill set would fit perfectly for a three four defensive tackle. And I think he'd perform fine at that position. Um, so that's that's another guy. He had ten sacks like a season ago, so I'd be I'd be in favor of him. But Snacks Harrison definitely seems like he would be the the guy that the Bears should go to immediately. Yeah, I think Snacks Harrison would be the leading candidate because you know, like you say, he had a shorter. You know, shorter stint with Detroit, but you know he was very when he was on the Jets. I feel like he was a, a pretty powerful force. Giants. I mean, yeah, Giants. Yeah, he was on the Giants. Really? Yeah, no, he was on the Giants, not the Jets. No, no, no. Oh, okay. He was originally drafted by um, the Jets, apparently, or undrafted was he free really? agent. Yeah, apparently he was originally undrafted free agent, but uh, a former Los Angeles no Charger. Brandon Mabane, Mebane, he used to play on LA, LA Chargers, and was most recently on the CL Seahawks. You know, he could fill that too. I mean, you talked about like a bigger guy. I mean, Brandon mm-hmm. Mabane is definitely, he's, you know, he's pretty, you know, muscular, pretty big guy. So he could definitely, you know, fill that gap. You know, I, I think that all in a way, Snacks Harrison would be your, you know, kind of runaway candidate. I mean, of course, they could look to someone like Marcel Darius, but I don't, he's not even the right fit. I feel like for yeah. the Bears' defense, you know, it's not quite exactly what they need. Um, it's unfortunately, it's just I feel like it's slimmer, slimmer pickings. And then you know, I, maybe they're just gonna have to get creative. I know they're not gonna want to play Bilal Nichols in that spot 100. percent But you know, maybe sometimes, you know, he just gets thrown in that rotation. You know, he gets a little bit of a double work you know works majority of the time on a defensive end but you know when they need someone to rotate in there at least you have someone that has versatility has that kind of background where he can you know play that role at least players are so hard to find at that position to begin with because it's such a specialty position at this point so we're going to be in a little bit of trouble i just think damon harrison seems like the safe option the cheap option so that's why I would go with him. And then we also now have quite a bit of cap space. We could really get our cap space up even higher if we cut some of these undrafted guys. The Bears have to be at 80 players by Sunday. So we're going to see that a little bit more cuts coming up. Um, but I mean, we could bring in some really, really talented players with the amount of cap that we have, maybe on a one-year contract. I mean, hey, maybe we uh, we throw a one-year deal at Clowney and then slot Mack in at a 3-4 defensive <laughs> end, you know? All pro, get get now get now that would be insane. But a, a, real, a more realistic option, I mean, 
I know Everson Griffin said he was, you know, considering between the Packers and uh, Vikings. Why don't we throw an offer in there and then get, you know, Akeem Hicks, Everson Griffin, and then Snacks Harrison as our front three? It'd be interesting. I was just looking, too, at, you know, a former Bear, you know, Mitch Unrein is even a free mm-hmm. agent right now, too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he'd be not- cheap, though. He's not quite at the same caliber, at least. I mean, I guess he would, could be an interesting depth option. You know, he's not a Snacks Harrison type. He's not of that quality, you know. And, and Iverson Griffin, I mean, that would be a, a very interesting move. You know, I think that, you know, it, maybe there's going to be a you know room out there to be very creative in this, you know, offseason, this little bit of offseason that we have left, you know. But we'll see exactly how this pans out. I feel like we're either going to see them go after I feel like they should commit after Snacks Harrison pretty hard because if they find a guy that they feel like is going to fit the system on a short deal you might as well just go right after him especially if it's going to be a one year you know like you said you bring in Snacks Harrison on a one year four million dollar deal it's so harmless at that point like that's a Mm -hmm. very harmless contract and if he performs well great you know it's probably not likely that you end up re-signing him if you feel like you need to re-sign him then sure you can go for it but you know, if he plays well, great. If he ends up getting hurt or something, then he was only on for one year. Yeah, exactly. And um, I actually got some good news as we're recording this currently. Uh, supposedly, Ryan Pace does not anticipate any other opt-outs in the Chicago Bears. So, you know, a little bit of good news there. I mean, losing only one player, it's not bad at all. No, not really, yeah. So, but, I mean, we'll see what if that changes as we progress, I'm sure, you know, with how you know this situation has fluctuated back and forth constantly so i I, you know i wouldn't you know say that should necessarily be a promise but if that ends up being the case where it's just eddie goldman i mean he's a significant player a very quality player an impactful player on the defense but you can live with it you know yeah exactly so well guys i think that's about it for this episode make sure to check us out on youtube once again leave us a five-star review Let's try to get this podcast to grow a little bit more. Send our podcast to your friends who listen to Bears Podcast. We'd really appreciate it. You don't know how much that would help us if everyone on the podcast just sent us to, you know, two or three of their Bears fans, uh, Bears friends, Bears fan friends. Jesus. (laughs) A little bit of a tongue twister. We would be growing at such a great rate right now. So thank you guys so much and bear down. Bear down.